Can I lower the arm? You can do whatever you want. Yeah, so the... Is the switch? Right underneath the thing, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, you can go both if you want. Yeah. Well, hey, welcome to the podcast. Number four. The Gear Hunks podcast. From Chicago, Illinois. Hey, you know what I realized we've, we still haven't done? We haven't actually mentioned the fact that we have social media and Instagram and all that kind of fun stuff. You're right. So you can follow us yeah. at GearHunks on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Facebook. Just I don't I don't know if there's a special URL for that. You know, you can find it. I got a Twitter, but I don't know if we're going to use it or not. Do you, did you get one for the GearHunks? I did. I mean, no, yeah, I've had one of my own yeah. for a while. I don't really use it too much. Are you a Twitter guy? I've never joined it, no. You've I like never Inst- joined it? Uh-uh. I like Instagram a lot. Cause have you ever used it? No, I, at first I couldn't understand how it was used. Okay, great. Um, I couldn't understand how it was used until I got on Instagram and then I kind of figured that out. I'm old school, man. Like Facebook came out when I was in college. Me too. No, me too. I remember I was only for college kids. Yeah. I was, I was a sophomore, I think. Yeah. I think I was like a freshman. So speaking of social media and, and a podcast and having one in the world, We've gotten some questions from people who've actually listened this is great. to the podcast. This is great. User questions. User listener questions. User questions. Yeah, sure. Both. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a useful podcast. You I can think say so. there are users. Yeah. Um, well, what do you got for us today? I know we had a couple of people write in. Um, you said the, the first one came to you from, I think it was it's a friend of yours. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine named Jason in um, Austin, Texas. He uh, went to, We went to high school together. He has a podcast of his own. And he was just asking. He said, wow, it sounds really good. What, what's your chain? What are you guys using? So, Henry, could you break it down? So, signal chain. I've got a Shure SM7B going into directly into a U Universal Audio Apollo. It's mine is the first gen rack. What is it called? The 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 two duo. I think it's what it's mm-hmm. called. Um, it has what is it? Four XLR ins. I think it total. It does something like eighteen in and. 12 out or something like that uh the way i have it set up so it's the that mic it's a dynamic microphone people say it's kind of the large diaphragm type dynamic even though that technically can't exist it's it's well well known for use in broadcast and vocal mics and voiceover it's also you know no michael jackson used it and a lot of a lot of famous singers have used it as well but it's a pretty robust like sure is known for mike built you know going right into right into an interface i think and then i'm actually using a yeah you've got a just that is a good old tried and true sm57 it's your standard 57 which when we set when we were setting up for this the first time and it just so happened to be the other dynamic mic i had lying around I was I was expecting it to be like nah this will this will kind of be lame and we'll eventually want to replace it but I I personally think it sounds awesome on your voice with the setup we have going right now yeah I think it, I think it sounds all right yeah the especially it's be, the nice thing about the Universal Audio is that it has a bunch of processing built in so you can actually hit the vocal stuff in real time we, we're listening through right now directly through plugins which yeah. if you're running directly in just a normal computer setup without the apollo uh, front-end integration you can't really do that without getting delay and latency and yeah. you have to compensate and do all this stuff you can do it right on the way in so we've got on on yours i'm running uh in the actual preamp slot i'm running an ssl e channel strip so it's 
essentially if you're looking at a big SSL console, it's just like one strip of that. And that's what you're that's what you're running in real time. It's got some EQ and compression going on, a little bit of gain. Well, actually, I should say a lot of gain because both of these mics need a ton of gain on the yeah. way in. They, you got to hit them really hard. And then we did some experimenting the first few episodes, and, and I've changed it up. Now I'm using actually a, a Universal Audio preamp, the 610B, the um, more modern version of the 610, as a plug-in. I'm um, just doing some gain and a little tiny little bit of EQ on this thing. But actually, again, a lot of gain. I've Actually, I pretty much have it fully cranked. Wow. It just, these. I guess these mics are yeah. sort of known but for But that's that. what makes them great for recording, you know, these mics, right? So versatile because they have the option to to have a lower gain signal so you can really like put it up to a snare drum or something like that. Yeah, exactly. That's out. exactly right. So yeah, it's not it's not too complicated. I do a little bit of um, the main DAW that we use, the digital audio workstation we use to record all this. I use Ableton Live for all of my music creation. Some people probably will think that's weird for a podcast, but it's just what I am most comfortable with in yep. my music making, so it's really easy for us to just use it as a tape machine. Right. Uh, do a little bit of post-processing, not much. I've got... Um, uh, the uh, Waves actually had a sale recently where they did a bunch of their awesome plugins for like twenty nine bucks each. Nice. And one of the the ones that I got is a the Abbey Road Mastering Suite, and I just use that for a little bit on the Master Bus for a little bit of like boosting and making it just a bit louder and a little bit nicer sounding, but not too much really. It's, and, it's a pretty straight straightforward, no nonsense setup. Yeah, I was gonna say, and that's if it's Abbey Road, I mean that's the best, right? You know, we're such Beatles fans. So yeah, that's that's the that's the rig. That's what we use to to do the podcast. And I, honestly, you don't need it, you you can get these mics. They're not too expensive, especially the fifty seven. That's less than a hundred bucks for sure. Um, you don't need the big fancy universal audio interface that I'm using. You could they they do have much smaller versions that are way more tailored for things like podcasts or mm-hmm. mobile recording or whatever. Which I I actually I would actually like to get one just to have as well because yeah, you can then integrate it with the rest of the system. But um, way it's you know you don't have to get the two thousand dollar rack to to get to this kind of sound yeah i've got the um I, I haven't podcasted through it but for home recording um i use a focus right um i've got the the i was it the the i2 or something like that so i'm it's not just, sure it's just their basic like really small two input you know um i think it's like a hundred bucks you can get one you know you can yeah. get them used for maybe 75 80 bucks on craigslist or whatever so um it's a great starter kit you know like you said if you're trying to do a budget thing you know? Yeah, well, and I mean, even that beyond that, you could—they've got USB mics that you don't even need an interface. You That's just plug right. the thing right into a USB port. Oh yeah. I mean, people do it on their phones. You can you can get away with pretty much anything yeah. if you want to, but we just happen to have some sweet gear because we're gear hunks. We might as well, you know. So that was one question. Did we? Did we? I think there was an. Oh right, yeah, we did have another question, and yeah. that came from another loyal listener asking. What's a bedroom amp? We were talking. I don't remember exactly what we were talking about. We were talking about amps. No, I do know. We were talking about amp, the Ampeg and how yeah. it's loud is all all get out. Yeah, but you almost can't get enough out of it if you if you're not cranking it. So maybe that wouldn't be appropriate. So for it a wouldn't bedroom. be a bedroom amp. So what does that mean? Well, basically, an amp that is going to sound good at home, playing quietly, and not rocking the ass out of your neighbors yeah are we gonna is this gonna be an explicit podcast are we gonna swear or are we not gonna swear do we have never, to do we have to like when say you, that sub, when you, when you submit it yeah you have Dang. to you have to mark whether it's explicit I mean, and apparently I've, I've been told that the apple uh moderators are much more strict than really? the others so wow. well i mean you know i'm not one to cater my art towards uh a corporation but all right fuck it <laughs> <laughs> i guess yeah no we're you know what is that i mean you can't listen if you're less than 18 we're not that's not our that's not our demo bro. yeah yeah i think we'll be all right um 
What were we talking about? Bedroom amps. Bedroom amps. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's up to interpretation, really. I mean, I, I, to me, then yeah. it means something that sounds cool. Yeah. Maybe has all the stuff in it that you need, so you don't have to have like pedals or mm-hmm. a bunch of weird stuff. You know, externally power supplies, whatever. Maybe it's maybe it's even portable. Maybe it's like you know, battery powered and you can, and you can carry that around for me, but me personally, I don't, I don't need the battery power thing. I think if you're in the bedroom, you've got an outlet somewhere. I love battery powered amps. Oh yeah, dude. Um, do have you ever owned one before? I've, I've had a couple, I've had those little, uh, the little Marshall uh, oh, yeah. stack, stacky stack thing. I think I had the Dan Electro one. Oh, it was those like are $20. so cool looking. I loved how those things looked. Yeah, I went to Florida once, and my mom found um, a Stratocaster at a garage sale. It was like a, it was like a Squire. How old are you? Um, no, you know, probably like thirty. Mm. <laughs> we went to go visit. You know, but she's fun like that. She's like, you're in for a week, and I saw this guitar, so I figured you could have something to do around the house. I was, I was picturing out. like pre beard, little hung. No, no, no. My parents were not supportive of uh, of music too much when I was growing up. Like they never really bought me any gear. Or yeah, like yeah I, I had to fight for that myself. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fine. It's just the way I grew up. It you know? creates a connection with it though. If you yeah. had to make that your own, mm-hmm. then you know that's going to be a lot stronger than if it's like shoved down your throat. I was thinking about that if yeah. I were to ever you know pop out a mini hunk someday. Yeah. What what if the you know what if I have all these amazing guitars and the kid is just like I think that's the lamest thing in the world you're the worst I think that's a natural thing when you have a kid in yeah. general is that they they almost have to not like what you're really into just to you know just to be a rebellious especially when they're like a preteen or a teenager yeah but maybe but the on, again on the on the flip side maybe we wouldn't love it as much if 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 it had been handed to us so it's, oh, it's totally a blessing agree. I guess I totally agree but either way yeah you know we'll see what happens maybe I, I personally of course I would say I wish I had a bunch of Les Pauls and yeah stuff to shred on when I was a little kid yeah like if your dad just had like a whole collection of vintage guitars or something oh. like that or some uncle who's like I don't play them that much Here's a 56 gold top dark back. Yeah. You can borrow it for a few weeks if you want. And then just never give it back. <laughs> Whatever happened to that uh, half a million dollar guitar I gave you? Oh, no. The the 56 gold You're top right. dark back. Those, those, are, those are more like 50. Reasonably 50, priced. 50K. Speaking of half a million dollar guitars, though, I mean, we don't have to get into it yet, but you did get a chance to play one last weekend. Oh, I almost forgot. Yeah. How could I forget? I think with the Chicago sales tax, that would have been up, up to upwards of $400,000. It was what was the sticker price? Three hundred and eighty thousand dollars. No, no, I think it was two eighty. I don't know, man. I think it was like three eighty. Maybe. I remember think because I remember thinking these are half million dollar guitars. So what it was? Maybe was, that's how good it sounded. It was a nineteen sixty Les Paul burst. Yep. I mean. The Scarface. The Jimmy Page. It was it was it was a it was a delight to the senses. I have to tell you, playing that guitar was it. It was it was a, an unforgettable experience for sure. Yeah. I've I've been lucky enough to play a couple of cool guitars in my life, but that thing was that yeah. was special. Uh, just what what can I where do I start? I, I mean, think I think the first thing I have to say was how I was surprised how nervous I got playing it. Oh really? Yeah, because I play. You know, I I'm in a I'm in a groove right now. I've been playing a lot every yeah. day, so I'm feeling good with my chops and everything. And it wasn't the, the dad standing around watching you. It was the the price of the guitar probably that I, that would make me nervous. I think. Yeah, I think it was that. It was I was plugged into a very clean mm-hmm. amp. Yeah. So it, it had no real compression or gain or anything going yeah. on, and um, so it was just like, you know, I I didn't I didn't have any licks prepared for the occasion for that i was just going to try to sh- shred through some scales you yeah know? i didn't expect there to be that right when we walked in and it was, was it was the first the first guitar i picked up of the day yeah at like 11 
Uh, Do you kind of wish we would have circled back around, you know, after you'd played a few more and then maybe you were a little more warmed up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We just we just got too engaged right away. Yeah. It was it was it was surprisingly thin neck. I really, really liked the neck. It kind of reminded me of my Les Paul, Mm -hmm. um, which is weird for a late 70s, but it's it it felt really good. The um, it was and surprisingly good just almost kind of clean condition i mean it has it's called scarface because it has that sort of gouge or whatever that's been repaired under the pick card but uh it's yeah it, it did not look to, like t- to me like a 60 year old guitar does that qualify that guitar as a refinish if they do anything whatsoever to the finish like i know like if even if you patch like a small amount of finish on like a like an old fender you know like pre-cbs they have to label that as a refinish right. even if it's like literally a spec I don't I don't know because these guitars are so well documented that it has a name people know what it is so it almost becomes irrelevant but I think it had I don't know the story I think it had something to do with a made a mod that Jimmy Page would do mm-hmm. that involved routing something under the pickguard I don't I don't know I haven't I actually know. looked into it I'm yeah. sure I guarantee you there is extensive information about this specific guitar on yeah. the internet in fact I know that it's in that burst book that everybody loves the burst book I think that might be what it's called. Mm. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm by no means an expert here, <laughs> but it was it was it was a, a once in a lifetime guitar for sure to play. And that you know it's at it's a Chicago Music Exchange guitar. They have it there. I'm sure thousands of people have been able to play it. Yeah. But it was still just pretty cool to be able to get it's, that in my hands. It's the one in the center of the picture. I think that they use everywhere on their website where they have all the Les Pauls and all the Gibsons on the wall. Uh, and the then one it's in the case. In the middle case, yeah. like a grandfather clock, just like boom, right against the I wall. I think you're right. Yeah. So that was pretty neat. And, yeah. and, you know, it occurs to me, we didn't even mention where this was. Yeah, let's talk about this guitar show we went to on Sunday. We went to a guitar show, Hunk's Outing. Yeah, it was good. It uh, was, uh, what was it called? The Amigo Guitar Show? It was the Amigo Guitar Show. I think it's a traveling guitar show. So I think they do, because they, they just right. did one in uh, Tennessee. I want to say it was Nashville. And um, so it's a traveling guitar show, which I don't really know what that means. If, if you have people who are local coming to get booths, it probably but, means there's one owner that kind of disorganizes yeah, all of it and has yeah. the website. And, and they stuff. take our twenty dollars admission. <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, that was a little expensive. It's a little. That's a little steep. Yeah. I I think it makes sense to me as a seller having mm-hmm. having sold at a guitar show personally. Yeah. Why you'd want some sort of barrier to entry in some ways, like if sure. you're trying to sell, because I mean they they had a three hundred thousand dollar guitar there. Like they yeah. there are serious serious sellers there. Yep. You don't want somebody that's just gonna show up to you know no you, devalue your instrument and leave that's a really good point <laughs> yeah. but it still stung a little yeah you know granted yeah. granted we did uh it, I, I feel like it was worthwhile for the oh, acquisitions yeah it, it, you know what um i have zero expectations when i go to a guitar show now uh, i went to one in august in gray's lake that was literally like two tables of guitars and that was it, man. That's not a show. That's, it was a that's flea like market. A, yeah, that's a... The rest of the thing was a flea market. That's a rummage sale. But you know what's really funny? They gave us that magazine, that like vintage guitar magazine. Oh, yeah, that mine's sitting over there. In it's the back, right I think I sent you a picture. In the back, they're advertising that guitar show, the one in Gray's Lake in August again. That's coming back. And I'm like, why are you even advertising this? Well, maybe they've maybe they've improved. Well, I can't give them another chance. Like, that was it, man. How much... Was that one 20 bucks? No, to it was in? $7 to get into that one. Seven? But, but Gray's Lake is far. Dude, I mean, to drive that far, and then you go in for... I mean, we were done in 10 minutes. I'm like... And then you just walk around because you feel stupid, and then you're just looking at junk. What know? did they have? Like at like at the guitar part Both. of it? Both. Well, at the guitar part of it, the, the memorable ones that I saw, um, which was um, this guy had a pair of Fenders. He had a, a Fender Strat. I think it was a 58, and he wanted like $45,000 for it. 
and it was, you know, um, Rosewood board, Sunburst, really, really cool. But like $45,000, I mean, there's no, there's no one here. Like, you're, I don't know who you're going to sell this to. Yeah. Secondly, they had a matching 58 precision bass that was also a Rosewood board, Ooh. which is one of my dream, dream instruments. But it had all these signs, do not touch. You can't try stuff out. The guy didn't even have an amp. And he wanted $25,000, $28,000 for that thing. And I'm just like, dude, I mean, you can get a refinished one for probably like five or $6,000, you know, if you really wow. look hard enough. So to charge that much for an original finish, I mean, at that point, these are the types of people that like they buy these things and they don't want to play them. You know, they don't want anybody else to play them. They don't want to play them. It's oh, only it's a for collector. Collectors. I get it, that. Absolutely. Like, God, man, it's like such a shame. You know. I do. I do think instruments need to be played, but you know, yeah. who am I to say what you do with your forty-five thousand? Same here, man. Same here. Blues you know? lawyers gotta have something to do. Yeah. Um, Wait, really quick. You said you mentioned dream guitar. Do you have a Do you have a dream instrument? Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually got to put my hand on one this weekend. Um, it's a, it's a, like around a 52, 53 precision bass. I didn't even mean for that to happen, but it somehow came back to the guitar show we were actually at yeah, this yeah. past weekend. No, I know. So, okay. It, so 52, 53. Probably. I mean, realistically, like the 62 precision that I own is, is by far like above and beyond my dreams. So I, I don't, I don't. Yes. Right. So dream beyond what you have. Yeah. But it's gotta be something old, man. Something old and cool. That's just like really fun to, to take out. Um, that 58 has got to be up there though. Cause that's like the first year they did the Rosewood fingerboard. Mm. Um, they have the, the large, you know, kind of strat style headstock when they switched from the Telecaster style headstock. Um, so it's kind of like a transition instrument and it's got the, um, like the gold pick guard, the two tone burst. Oh, I love the, the anodized gold pick guard yeah, on, so the, cool. on the sunburst. Especially the when Rosewood. they get wear oh. and that gold starts to wear off and there's like a bluish yeah. silver underneath, man. That's like really, really cool. You know, we brought my, my jazz master to the show and in, yeah. in hopes of possibly trading it for something cool. I want to talk about that too. We will, but I was just going to say, I think, you know, if I keep it, which it kind of, I don't know, it kind of feels like I should. Yeah. I want to, I want to put a gold pick guard on it. Ooh, that'll look really I'm gonna nice. Do, I want to I wanna do that. Do I mean, the thing is, it's going to take some time, and I, I won't... You're right. It needs to have the wear, though, and so it's almost like I kind of want to get a used one already because I am I love that guitar. It's cool, but I have so many other guitars that I'm playing all the time yeah. that like I probably won't put that wear on it myself. Yeah. No, I mean... Which is... it's it's I don't like relic guitars, but I like buying old guitars that have been played, oh, and, same and I feel the same way about yeah. pick cards and yeah. such. I mean, even our friend at... Uh, the Chicago music exchange booth was saying the same thing. Like if you find a perfect, you know, c custom color, matching headstock, blah, blah, blah. And it's like perfect, like never been played or scratched. It's generally not a guitar that, you know, it, it might take some work to get that thing playing really. That's nice. a bad sign. I mean, mm -hmm. it could be, it could have been a wonderful instrument, wonderful instrument. And I just realized that I said the word wonderful a bunch of times Did you? in the last podcast. We can so edit I'm gonna that. Try to, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna try not to say that so much as much. It's weird to it's listen back word. to yourself, especially while editing these dang uh, things and just hearing all the stupid stuff you say and yeah. becoming even more self-conscious yeah, about props, your stupid props voice. Props to our producer, Henry, who also <laughs> is the, <laughs> the show host. Um, and props to producer, producer Henry, who now we have done sort of one and a half extra podcasts that we're never going to use, one, was, one of which was my fault. Oh, uh, that was fun. Well, we won't talk about it yet because we, we are going to revisit that topic eventually i suppose but, but we had it was almost a debate type of topic it was good it was juicy and we recorded for a solid 50 minutes to an hour yeah and i realized that i was only recording one of the vocal yeah. tracks so maybe one day we'll upload just you talking to yourself i deleted it already oh, okay. i was i couldn't i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't do it it was that's that's quite embarrassing but so yeah you know it, at least it's a mistake I'll, I'll never make again something i wanted to maybe. say about um the guitar show 
um, it didn't really hit me until we got till I got home that night. And I'm sitting there, you know, uh, my wife's like, well, how was the guitar show? You know, that's so cool. And I was like, you know, it was fun. I was like, I think I would have brought a guitar just to carry around. Like you, so you brought that jazz master. You weren't sure if you're going to trade it or not or mm-hmm. sell it or whatever. I was totally open to, but I'm but, not, I'm not in dire needs of the cash. What was cool. And, and what actually creates like a lot of like, you know, just mental content and meeting people was bringing that thing because then you get to meet these guys who work these booths and they all want to see what you got. So you take it out, you start talking a little gear back and forth. I would love to just bring one of my guitars from my collection, even if I didn't really have the intention of selling it or trading it. Cause I, I would trust myself not to make like a dumb decision and trade it for something. I didn't yeah. Want. But there's always the possibility that there you're going to get some crazy and, thing. And that's why I didn't bring it. But, um, I thought just as, cause I've got a few guitars that are kind of a conversation piece just to bring and like, See what kind of like ridiculous numbers people offer you yeah. for stuff, you know? You no, it was, know. it was an easy in. Every yeah. time I walked up to a booth, someone yeah. was like, hey, what's in the bag, you know? So yeah. then I just start chatting with them. And, and there were some people that were Jazzmaster fans. Sure. I would say for the most part, that probably wasn't a Jazzmaster crowd. No. Um, the one There was one shop from Brooklyn that was there that the dude made a straight up cash offer below more than what I paid, but below what it's worth. Yeah. And, uh, but also made me a good trade offer, but his store is in Brooklyn and the only things they had on display were pieces that they actually picked up at yeah. the show. Right. And they had some cool stuff, but nothing, you know, quite what I was looking for or anything. Yeah. Um, but it did sort of reinforce that I really do kind of like that guitar and it's pretty awesome. And I think I maybe should just keep it for now and, I, my problem is I've never really loved the pickups and I just haven't swapped them. So hmm. I think that's, I think that's what I should do before I sell it. I should try to throw some different pickups in there because yeah. it's a Japanese, the Japanese are known for making amazing jazz master bodies and all that stuff. But the electronics are basically just kind of strat pickups in a, in a wider housing. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you, I personally would want in a jazz master. So I've even thought about maybe doing some sort of like maybe even humbucker, yeah. like, a, like a maybe a Fender um, wide range. I was gonna ask because they they do make a um, oh it might be a Jaguar so it might be a shorter scale but they do make a double humbucker version. I think it's a Jaguar technically. Um, have you seen oh, that? Yeah, it's all black. Yeah, yeah, with the absolutely. Black yeah, that, they do that in the. I think that's the black top series. Yeah, they don't make that anymore. But yeah, I know exactly which one yeah. you're talking about. Jim Root from that's Slipknot right. has a that's signature. I'm, I've got hams burps right now. Not ham burps, hams burps. Yeah, the whole drinking beer during the podcast thing is is interesting because we we belch a lot. So I just, I I edit it I edit it a lot among other things like, like us being idiots like this conversation. Like right this now. part is not make, <laughs> definitely not making it. Um. So yeah. So my my big thing was my big takeaway was I really I love interacting with people and talking gear and stuff and I I kind of felt like man had I brought you know just my simple gig bag with a maybe one of my bases or even like that Paisley Strat would have been cool to just bring and like walk around and show people. Um, so maybe next time I'll do that. Yeah, I think you absolutely should. I, I, I'm glad I brought that guitar. It was fun. It was fun to have that hook. It was also really cool. I mentioned that I had sold at that other, um, Fort Knox guitar show right. a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two ago. And, uh, I actually ran into, including people selling there people that had sold at that other show and people that I did deals with. So it was kind of cool to have that like, Oh, Hey, yeah. yeah. In fact, the, now the, now that I think about it, the one dude was selling the bass that he bought from me at that guitar show. Yeah. This in is, your old case. This is really funny. Yeah. It was a, what is that thing again? Um, it not, was a, a 79 Honda. or no. Yes. Or 81. It was the it's first like a late year. 70s. It was the first year. Tokai, Tokai hard puncher. Yeah. So it's basically a precision bass modeled identically after the Fender precision bass from the late 70s. But it literally is called a hard yeah. puncher. Oh, yeah. And they take the logo. It says Tokai instead of Fender. They use the exact same script. It they, looks exactly They use like the extended it. like large lettering over the over the nose of the um, 
hit stock there. Yeah, that was a super sweet base. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. But then I, but then I, we've talked about it a few times. Bought a base from you, and I did, that became redundant. And yeah, I didn't need it anymore. That was a cool. That was a cool base, and they're they're cool out there if you're looking for like something that's vintage but not super expensive. Although they are going up in price. They are now, definitely man. I, going up. I remember a time when you could find those for like three, four hundred dollars, and now they're all up over five hundred. I paid less than that. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, those, yeah, the old Japanese stuff from like the late seventies, early eighties are really, really high quality. Um, there was there was a need in the market at the time. The fenders, the stuff coming out of Fender, nobody really liked it. It was yeah. it wasn't as good. So then they figured out how to make it better. You know, for a little kind, while there. What was kind of funny when I I forgot to ask you this when we were there, but I think on the way home I asked you if if he was if he was reselling it for a higher price than you sold it to him for. Because that would have been funny if he had it listed for like a thousand or something. He had it listed at the price I had it listed at, at the show. Right. But he and I actually traded. Right. And I got um, a good amount of cash mm-hmm. and that uh, Taylor GS Mini Mahogany guitar. Right. That is super cool. Yeah. So uh, I felt I felt very good about the deal. I think we both felt good about yeah. the deal. It would have been so know? funny though if you could tell he was like trying to like make something you know? oh i mean i would have oh why that's not what i would base, have done the baby. same thing that's what i'm saying like it was kind of like he, he's he was an honest guy you know he was kind of like he was I'm a good just guy. trying to get I, my money back him and his brother i did deals with both of them and we actually the brother he was he had his gear there i didn't see him while we were there All, both good guys um but i actually did a deal with him too i sold him or i partially sold him uh a sequential circuit six track synth that's a lot of s's yeah and uh i got from him this dbx compressor uh cash and now i can't remember i got something else too and i can't remember what it was but it was a fair oh uh, the the cala the u base the mini base oh man yeah i know that thing is cool yeah yeah um for for people who don't know what we're talking about the uh or how do you cala, say it i say, I say cala, cala cala that we're from chicago <laughs> yeah the cala u base um it's a really cool they make a they make a it looks like it well they make one version that looks like a giant ukulele but then they also Where make it's hollow and everything. it's hollow. It's like a, like a little acoustic ukulele. And then they also make one that is like a solid body electric. And that's what Henry picked up. Oh, and it is that sub bass on that thing. I mean, if you could do a whole, like, um, some kind of like electronic album. Like if you ever needed like electro bass, like sub bass that you wanted to play it's, yourself. It's, it actually rat. It, it makes my speakers do things. I've never heard them do. Yeah. When I play directly into it, it's, there is so much extended bottom end. That's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. And it sounds awesome. We actually, one of the songs that you and I tracked together, we doubled remember it. we doubled it. We, you did your main part, mm-hmm. I think on your P bass mm-hmm. and then just sort of like the roots and stuff and stuff you hit with the U bass. And I just chopped everything. I put a low pass filter. And I just yeah. chopped everything off, you know, above maybe like 120 or something. And it is amazing. It sounds, yeah, that, th- that thing sounds mega huge. It's really cool. So it, yeah, but it's not even, it's a, it's a piezo, you know, I was mm-hmm. actually just had, I just had a conversation with, a guitar buddy of mine about this and 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 i'm sure many people have but i don't think there's like is there an actually right way to say that word i say p i read it as like piezo okay thank you yeah right so there's there's piezo there's piezo i've heard piezo i've there's someone's i've heard piezo i've heard mike piazza yeah mike piazza he was he was pretty good i i think i'm just starting to say piezo now i I think think I i think the brits say piezo well, let's do whatever the Brits do. Because they, sure. they just do it better. They pull it off, man. They sound so much smarter than they are. But the U-Bass has a Mike Piazza pickup. Yeah. And, uh, active, obviously. It's active, and it has, so it has a 9-volt battery in yeah. there. The only, That thing was in wonderful shape, and the, oh, there it is. There's my there's my favorite word. Dude, just roll with it, man. That thing was in 
lovely shape and I couldn't figure out how to get the stupid back plate off to change the to check the battery and I chipped it it has like a magnetic design which is nice and you know convenient uh-huh. but I chipped the shit out of it yeah. just not even knowing what I was doing with my big stupid can we just go back to like the screws or the clip or something like why do they have to have like that weird magnetic or at least like, I just wish I would have known I know, you know? I guess it, that is user error technically but then yeah. I but then I chipped the wood on the what are you gonna do like download the, the instruction manual to find out I eventually take... did oh I sent you I went on a deep rabbit hole journey learning about the world of modding those things Kala u bases why would you what, what what mods would you even put on that thing what well, has first a preamp. Of all, first of all it has rubber strings on it <laughs> so you feel like you're playing those uh like surgical that. like surgical tubes <laughs> they're so gross looking. yeah the they're, are they're like they're like that yellowed white color oh my god it's yeah. so horrible i mean no I, I did i did the research and found the black ones i just haven't bought they them make yet. silver ones too if you want to like fake it i should go rainbow yeah like Ooh. the like the, the strings that came on that gretch please don't ever do that i saved those dirty Good. old strings just to have them just to remind yourself to remind myself what the a 1967 Gretsch hollow body looks like with rainbow strings oh, on it. Man. And by the way, like Paul, if you're listening, man, just stop putting those things on your guitars. <laughs> He's got a strat with those things too. And I'm just like, it's a 70 strat. It's super cool. And it's got those rainbow I could, strings. Maybe he likes was, them. He likes I them. I think I'm if not, it was like a I? black on black guitar or something like that, but not a classy old, like, I don't even know what they call it. I think it's like racing or rally green. Yeah. Finish oh. on it. When you put the actual nickel strings on it, it looked so much better oh it's like the so whole guitar sexy. it's almost like putting bad wheels on a car like really ugly rims putting it'll ruin spinners the entire car. on a, a a jaguar yeah it'll it'll just ruin the whole thing you know um but to each their own that we're not here to judge on on gear hunks right that's not our thing i Actually, i we, judge we those rainbow I get, strings i do too i get real judgy about shit like that what were we even talking about um so we were talking about bedroom amps a little while ago no that was a long time ago i know but i could go back to it so I used to have a battery-powered amp. You did. Now, for a bass player, that's a really important thing to have. You need a lot of power to power bass. Right. You so know the physics behind how bass frequencies work. Let me know if you've heard of these. Um, I don't. I think they're discontinued, but Crate used to make an amp called the Crate Taxi. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was like early 2000s. Kickback, there was a yellow yep. version. There's two channels, and it had XLR, dual XLRs, dual um, quarter-inch inputs, so it was like all in line right there. Yeah. It had an EQ, um, didn't have any effects, didn't have any reverb, but... Battery powered, and that battery probably would last for like 12, 14 hours. I mean, it so, was but it was a rechargeable, rechargeable battery. internal. See, that's the key right there. It is until it broke, and uh, one day it just the battery I think just went kaput. So it would turn on, but it was doing like the red light of doom. I couldn't charge it. Could you plug it in directly to the wall? You and could. It, would it, it work? It wouldn't charge while it was playing. But but it would work still as just like a regular wall amp. No, no. Oh. This, once the battery died, it was done. Cause it didn't have like, um, I don't know the technical explanation, but you know, some things you can plug in and charge while you're using them, like your phone. Yeah. This could only char- be charged while it was off. Right. So there was so, no way to p- bypass the battery and just plug directly into I the power source. I don't think so. I mean, I, I didn't even like want to try to open that. Cause you know, those internal lithium batteries, like those things are just insane. Um, anyways, oh, I definitely would have busted that open. And taken I know it off. I should have brought it over. I threw it in the dumpster. When um, it was, it was sad. Um, like last summer, I just I had to call it quits, man. I was clearing out some space, and it didn't work. I wasn't gonna sell it broken. Oh man. So, anyways, crate still that makes, makes those. my that makes my hunk gear hunk heart. I know. Hurt a little. You know, I've, I've probably given away more hashtag gear than hunk I've hearts. actually sold. This is the hashtag episode. Yeah, hashtag hunk hearts. <laughs> uh, shout out to Hams for uh, having us today. So. 
the other thing I wanted to say about that was, so I think Trainer might have taken over. You know the brand Trainer. Oh yeah, I own a, my guitar cab is a Trainer. That's cab. right. Yeah. So they their newer stuff isn't that bad actually. A lot of their newer stuff they do um, two power sections and they do like solid state pre's mm-hmm. I believe, um, or maybe vice versa. They had I actually played in a band with a dude who had a Trainer combo that had a tube pre and a pop, solid state yes. power amp that he used for keyboards. So you could actually swap like. You could shout go out, one or shout the out other. Dan Smart. Hey, what's up, Dan Smart? Um, I love Dan Smart. He's a great guy. So we we I had that. So I'm thinking about buying another one. Is what I'm saying. I'm thinking about buying one of those trainer battery amps. What, for make. what use? Are you gonna Are you gonna start busking? I might. It might have to hit the road. Are you gonna Are you gonna start doing some like Victor Wooten slap solos? You never in the know, subway? man. You never know. But well, I have that rooftop. So the nice thing is being able to bring a little amp up there and jam and stuff. Plus, you can run like your. You, know, you can use it like a speaker. You can run your uh, iPhone through it and all that good stuff. True. So got rcas and everything so i'm old school i don't i don't fuck with we gotta do a little rooftop concert series we really do man and i want to talk to you about that i think the noise would be something because i'm right off the highway but you've been up to my room i've been up there a handful of times Um, we we had a a fun fourth of july party there one time i remember yeah a couple times yeah the the last one we had was amazing 2015 fourth of july shout out i was yeah i was there that's right it was wild we had like 50 people up there people were throwing meat on the highway yeah that's not cool we had to (laughs) shut that down yeah, that's not cool. It was like circular meat discs. And yeah. People see how far you can flee. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a chartreuse. Yeah, yeah I, rem- I remember you getting and people were chucking salami. About that. Rightfully so. Well, you could cause an but accident. Drunkenly, and, it seemed yeah. like a hilarious thing. It seemed hilarious. We had to shut that down. But it was a great time, head by all. Um, and uh, yeah, so so anyways, like I, what I want to do for that is um, I want to bring some cameras up there. And I want to set up and maybe even bring like a little like drum kit. Maybe do a few mics. Dude, you've got that electronic kit. That's right. We could bring my JC120 up there I've and got a, uh, plug I've got it a, in. Ooh, that could be cool. I've got a Roland um, HD1. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've played that bad boy. Dude, I mean, if you live in an apartment and you just need something cheap that um, you could throw some headphones on and bang away, that is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, and it makes you seem like you're a way better drummer than it, you actually are. I think it actually like adheres to shitty playing. Like it makes you play better. Yeah, it's because the thing is, is you if you hit the if you hit the pad, it just, just treats that as a perfect drum hit. Yes, you don't actually have to hit it in the right spot of the it, drum it with does the right have three, technique. I think stuff. it has three levels of like three velocities. Yeah. Okay, so three versus nearly infinite. Versus infinite. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's at least my experience yeah. as a as a terrible drummer that it's you know makes me sound like I'm. You're not a terrible drummer, first of all, and second of all, I would say that it actually it made me a better drummer just being able to sit down and play it and kind of have technique, and then you go to the real kit and you're like, okay, this is different, but. I'm not like afraid of the drums anymore. Oh, it's way better than not playing. It's I would say yeah. even playing rock band drums makes you a better regular drummer for that exact reason that you're talking about. Just that yeah. kind of like f- confidence in your in your rhythms and movements. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. Uh, you know, I was actually just thinking about something else um, that we haven't talked about yet. Really, we've talked a lot about our gears, our our gears, and our rigs <laughs> and our rigsies. Uh, we haven't talked about picks. Are you? Are you? You're. I mean, I feel like pick is a pretty divisive thing in the bass world are you a pick guy uh i go i go for whatever the song needs man i know it sounds i know i know it sounds so dumb but no so when i started when i started and forever well when i first started i played with a pick only because that guitar player when did you start bass uh, when i was 14 so probably in 1996 how'd you how did you get there um my best friend down the street played guitar and we had a friend who played drums and they were both really good not like virtuoso good but like good enough where they're like, let's jam, but you have to be the bass player. And I was like, all right, you know, that's cool. So we went to, we went down to this pawn shop in Aurora 
and I bought a Squire 2 Precision Bass, which is like an all red slab body, uh, no pick guard, and um, it's super cool. I have a picture of it on my phone. How long, actually, how long did you have that bass? Well, I had it twice. I, I bought it, and I, uh, I bought it when I was 14. I think I sold it back to a store on trade, like a, probably another pawn shop. And they probably gave me like 90 bucks for it or something, mm. but probably trading for trading up for something else. And then years later I got really sentimental and I went and found another one and I bought that. And that's the one that I traded to Mark, our good friend oh, for, right. uh, for a bicycle, which is awesome. Cause I still yes. have my bike and he has the base. So it, it worked out. Shout out Mark the shack. Wow. Um, but that's cool too. Cause like I just played that recently over at his place and I'm like, Oh, it's cool to play the old bass. And even though it's not the exact one I had, it's the exact, this specs. is, I've just, just, I've, I've figured you out. This is your, 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 you only sell your stuff that you like to your friends. So it, then you can go and play it. Yeah. Like you can play my bass because yeah. it, it, and it was your bass. I sold a V4B Ampeg to my friend, Johnny, who we still use it today to like record and, and play at his practice. Dude, space, get so. that in this, get that in our space. I'm, I'm begging him, man, but he's got, I've a, got the VT 40. They're matching. I know. I know. It's so cool. And it would sound so good through that cab I have, but what are you going to do? You know, um, it's not mine, so I can't tell people what to do. With you it. know, speaking of recording, I, I recorded, I recorded someone of, I recorded a person that isn't me or my friends last night. This is awesome. I'm first of all, I'm really excited for you. I'm proud of you for going through with it. Oh, that. thanks, man. And uh, I think, you know, I think you have a great ear for it. And, you know, you have a great studio set up in here, which I know people can't see, but there's a lot of cool stuff in here. And I think there's nothing more important than an engineer who has gear, but they know how to use it. Not not just flashy shit, but like you know how to use what you have. So tell me more about this uh, fellow who came over last night. Yeah, well, well. First of all, I, it occurs to me that I haven't actually played it any of it for you yet, so this is good for podcast purposes maybe. because maybe I can horrible. hypothesize. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. I, I haven't actually talked to him about the fact that I have a podcast, so I, I feel a little weird. I don't know if I'm gonna like mention his name or anything. We like don't that, say his you know name. No, that's cool. Um, but it was. A, I you know I've I've recorded myself for for years and and some friends and stuff, but I decided recently that I was like I would like to just you know record some partially even just for experience but also to make a little money and, and get better at my craft record some other people oh yeah so i'm a part of this diy chicago facebook group and just randomly saw a post someone was looking for um they've got a bunch of songs and they like acoustic based songs that they just play guitar and sing and they wanted somebody to record them i was like i've done a lot of that myself cool yeah. so i just sent them a message i was like hey you know i been thinking about doing this here's some of the stuff that i've recorded recently like i just had sitting on dropbox let me know and he got back to me after like an hour or so and was like oh you know it sounds great like let's do it and we talked about he's like well how much and i actually i honestly hadn't even gotten that far mentally yet yeah. i hadn't even <laughs> worked that, that worst? through yeah uh, and so i was like uh and so i set a number and i was like but i'm you know i'm flexible or yeah. whatever i kept it reasonable cheaper than i've ever paid to go record exactly you, you know, know how much you've ever paid to use studio oh time. yeah yeah so uh he said, cool, we worked it out. He um, he was like, yeah, I've got like five or six songs, but I think I want to do three. I was like, cool, we'll just like, you know, pay by the song, whatever. Okay. And um, so what he's just like, is he acoustic songwriter type guy? Or yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, we talked a little bit about what his plans are for this. And that was part of how what informed the way we, we recorded it, because if it was just he just wanted to like get these songs down and have like a demo for himself to listen to, then we wouldn't have used a click. We would have just had him sing and play right. at the same time. He actually thinks that he might want to, you know, eventually flesh these out and, and add instrumentation and things. So we did it to a click. Cool. We recorded, you know, multiple uh, mics on the guitar and then did, vo you know, separate vocals. Uh, I used, um, he, he, I told him, I, you know, I've got guitars and stuff if you want to use any yeah. of my stuff. And, you know, if you're more comfortable on yours, that's cool too. Just 
let me know. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I've got one, but it's kind of beat up. Like, is it cool if I use, your, use one of yours? And I said, totally. Sure. So I had to actually take the Martin and put it in oh. standard tuning. Uh, actually, I, in, in listening to his songs, I thought that they – He's he has, he has a very good voice, and I I thought, but I thought maybe that might work a little better a half step down. Mm. So I just tuned it to a half step down, and it actually sounded awesome. And I kind of like having the Martin in that tuning now, but it's not going to stay. Did you tell him it was tuned to half step? down? I did. Oh, yeah, okay. I absolutely did. And he <laughs> said that's funny. He's thing. like, I was thinking about cool. actually doing a half step down. Wow. He, I think one of them was capo though, so whatever. Okay. Um, so we played my Martin. I used um, I've got a warm audio WA forty seven tube mic. That was kind of the main beef sound i put that somewhere kind of out around the 12th fret maybe like a foot off the neck and then i've got a neumann cam 184 which is a so the first one the two mic it's a large diaphragm this is a the neumann cam 184 is a small uh small diaphragm condenser both of them require phantom power that's like kind of like one of the predominant differences between a dynamic and a condenser mic and i had that kind of out back behind the fretboard or uh, excuse me behind the picking hand Mm -hmm to get more of like pick attack and the kind of top end. Um, so we did that, tracked a couple songs. He wound up only having two that he was like comfortable enough to, to go through with. So he performed um, two songs. Yeah. So I, when we got, cause I, you know, he had sent me one of them, like a, a short video he did on Facebook or whatever, yeah. but I hadn't heard both of them. So I just asked him to kind of play both for me. And, yeah. and then we sort of talked about what he wanted to do with the songs, how we were going to record them that I thought that he might've just wanted to do the like sing and play at the same time thing. So I had a setup ready for that. Right wound up having to change it up a little bit but um we got both the guitar tracks done wound up taking you know recording to a click is a tough thing man like if you've never done that before and and i think you had in the past but it's always weird i i've played with people that had really hard times with that i've played with phenomenal drummers that can't that can't come to especially i've played with drummers who aren't that good who can play awesome to a click so it's it's not ever like a, a situation of if you can or you can't like it's just it, and it's something you really have to practice yeah. like if you've never played along with a metronome luckily i you know I, I was not i was not i did not have high hopes for that but luckily he was, he was great and actually locked in the click click pretty quickly cool. took you know just setting the mood getting comfortable in here yeah, plus you he's, know he's coming over to a place he doesn't know who you are yeah, exactly. you know? so it's it's probably it's a comfort level too that you got to get through yeah you. i tried to make it as comfortable but also efficient as possible just nice. like kind of reading his vibe how fast he wanted to keep doing takes eventually we wound up punching a lot of stuff you know just to to make it easier for those who may not know punching means you just kind of like go in and fix individual parts um like they used to cut up tape and do it now you can just do it with buttons on a computer um but it worked out pretty well i think the um the I was really surprised at how how strong his vocals were actually and they sounded really cool with that tube mic it was a nice um sort of because the two mic has a little bit of a warmer not darker but it's not a very hi-fi modern sounding mic and he had a a sort of higher ranged voice it worked they worked really well together it wasn't too harsh or anything it was nice and mellow but cutting and and kind of beefy so i sent him mixes last night yeah um after he left we you know tracking was all of maybe two hours and then or less than that and then um he had just asked basically for some more guitars in the mix today and uh sent those over this morning Dude, hell yeah. So that sounds like a great thing, man. Um, you know, is that something you want to keep trying to do, you think? It was fun. I Yeah, it, I, it made me it made me think about my approach in a different way than when it's just me recording myself. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and I mean, I, I, I definitely would. It's I enjoy doing it. I think I'll, you know, I'll still have to kind of because I, I, I'm still learning and, and 
insecure about parts of it, the process, especially when it comes to mixing. I think I spent probably a lot more time thinking and listening and listening and listening than I even needed to. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like that would maybe that that should subside with more experience experience yeah 100 percent. or maybe not maybe i'll always be obsessive over it and never think it's like quite right but well one thing i liked about um because i've recorded some bass tracks for you and some of your songs or our songs or whatever you want to call it um what i like about you too is you do leave some of the imperfections in like you enjoy that part of music Mm -hmm. which i think is really important you know when you when you talked earlier about punching stuff in um i enjoy the fact that you know some of my favorite records have mistakes in them you know yeah well that's that's the anybody could program right. parts and have them be perfect all the time. But I, that's, I don't, that's just, and sometimes that's cool. And I do that to an extent. I mean, I tune vocals. I do that kind mm-hmm. of thing if it's called for, but yeah, I don't know. I, I also, I like the human approach to music making, especially because we are all doing it through computers now. So wherever you can bring the humanity back into it is a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. A lot of people are going back to the old school style of recording. Um, I remember, um, I recorded with some friends over at this place called Minball Studios, which mm. I don't think is open anymore. Do you know so. that place? I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, it was right at the corner of um, Sacramento and Grand, and they are uh, Chicago, and they had um, it was like this cool little corner space, and the guy had nothing but old gear in there. I'm talking like all the preamps were old. Everything was like analog, quote unquote. Mm. Um, th- there was obviously a computer in there, you know, um, tape machine and everything, and like all the gear was really old. So what he was trying to do is like really make it sound as old and cool like these old recordings as possible and i know a lot of that comes from the technique and a lot of it comes from the approach but the gear is a good place to start it doesn't hurt yeah Yeah. i mean you can make an old sounding record with new stuff for sure sure sure. and and i think a lot of the way to do that is to kind of just approach it from a minimal standpoint throw one mic up in the middle of an old room like they did at you know motown and then you're going to sound like that. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is the, the players too. I mean, if, if you know that you can just punch stuff in really easily, that you have much less incentive to practice, to be good enough to be able to play it perfectly through every time. Yeah. When we went in there, we knew that we were going to be doing the drums and bass to straight to tape, you know? And if we, if we mess up a take, it's the whole thing's getting redone, mm. you know, basically um, within reason, obviously. But so we rehearsed really, really hard for that session. Like I remember like it was like two straight weeks of meeting up like three times a week, you know, like six solid rehearsals right before you go in for basically to record. I think we did it. We did a whole album, but it was still like, you know, it was intense. There was a lot of songs that like needed to be hashed out and everything. So, um, that's, that's what brought that whole live vibe. And there's parts where we jam out, you know, things like change a little bit in those recordings, but that's what makes them so special. Do you, do you prefer that? method of working would you rather do that than have the sort of like ease of computer-based stuff uh, yeah if it came down to like one or the other i think it's more important i mean it depends on the session like if i come in and i don't know the songs or like when i did your songs you know i still was kind of wavering on some of the parts i was going to write so it was nice to be able to have those opportunities where we could punch something in or maybe a fill wasn't quite on the dot you know and i wanted to hit it um it depends on the material though if it's like your band and it gives you a reason to rehearse and get better just for that session and by all means, I think that's the best way to approach it, dude. For sure. Yeah. Right. When you when you're going into a, a situation like that, how many how many bases do you bring? Um. Like how do you how do you usually decide? like? I mean, I might just bring one, but usually two. You know, just in case, I'll bring a, a jazz and a in a precision bass. Um, yeah. Those are just. I mean, that's what I own. Also, like, I'm not going to borrow anything. You know, to bring.